next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith and look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, we're pulling out the Advent music maybe a day early. I know that the first Sunday of Advent is not until tomorrow, but it's my show. And and I want to do a vigil show, so we're doing the vigil of Advent. Tomorrow we start the season of Advent. Couldn't wait to get there. Uh, and we'll, we're well on our way to Christmas. Have you started your Christmas shopping yet? What does your Christmas shopping look like? How many people do you have to buy for? How many gifts are you going to do? Uh, that's, a, that's a question I want to know the answer to. Why don't you pop on over to our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Let me know about your Christmas traditions. Of course, that bumper music's special. It's a brand new CD, uh, just is coming out this week. You can get it on wesleyputnam.com. Yes, you heard that right. That is a relative. It's my father. Uh, new Christmas album. Great, great stuff all the way through. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So pop on over to wesleyputnam.com and order that. If you just get one Christmas CD this year, brand new, uh, pick that one up. Coming right up later in the show, we've got Dr. Taylor Marshall, author and founder of the New St. Thomas Institute. He's going to talk to us about Advent, about how to uh, prepare ourselves for Christmas, both preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ and also preparing ourselves to deal with the conversations that we're inevitably going to have as we visit with our family over the holiday season. Well, before we get there, as always, we're going to start our time together in prayer in scripture, and in a reading from church history. So let's go ahead and begin in prayer. To Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the way, the truth, and the life, let us make our humble prayer. Come and stay with us, Lord. Son of the Most High, your coming was announced to the Virgin Mary by Gabriel. Come and rule over your people forever. Holy One of God, in your presence, John the Baptist leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Bring the joy of salvation to all the earth. Jesus the Savior, the angel revealed your name to Joseph the just man. Come and save your people from their sins. Light of the world, for whom Simeon and all the just waited, come and comfort us. O rising sun that never sets, Zechariah foretold that you would visit us from above. Come and shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All-powerful God, increase our strength of will for doing good, that Christ may find an eager welcome at his coming, and call us to his side in the kingdom of heaven, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Well, we're doing it again. Tomorrow is the first Sunday of Advent, so we're going to forgo today's readings and jump right to tomorrow, because I'm ready for Advent to be here. The last reading of the year uh, yesterday or today, today's reading would be a little bit more apocalyptic in nature and less looking forward to the coming of Christ at Christmas and more to the coming of Christ 
at the end of the world. And so we're going to jump ahead and we're going to look first at this reading, this first reading for the Advent season, which comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah shall be safe, and Jerusalem shall dwell secure. This is what they shall call her, the Lord our justice. That reading comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. The responsorial psalm for that first Sunday of Advent comes from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior, and for you I wait all the day. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and his covenant for their instruction. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. The second reading, again, because we're doing a Sunday, so we've got that extra reading. Today's second reading comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his holy ones. Amen. Finally, brothers and sisters, we earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. That second reading comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3. The gospel today comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Today our reading, in this beginning of Advent, this first Advent show, our reading from church history, 
comes from catechetical instruction by St. Cyril of Jerusalem. We do not preach only one coming of Christ, but a second as well, much more glorious than the first. The first coming was marked by patience. The second will bring the crown of a divine kingdom. In general, whatever relates to our Lord Jesus Christ has two aspects. There is a birth from God before the ages and a birth from the virgin at the fullness of time. There is a a hidden coming like that of rain on fleece and a coming before all eyes still in the future. At the first coming, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. At his second coming, he will be clothed in light as in a garment. In the first coming, he endured the cross, despising the shame. In the second coming, he will be in glory, escorted by an army of angels. We look then beyond the first coming and await the second. At the first coming, we said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. At the second, we shall say it again. We shall go out with the angels to meet the Lord and cry out in adoration, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Savior will not come to be judged again, but to judge those by whom he was judged. At his own judgment, he was silent. Then he will address those who committed the outrages against him when they crucified him and will remind them, you did these things and I was silent. His first coming was to fulfill his plan of love, to teach men by gentle persuasion. This time, whether men like it or not, they will be subjects of his kingdom by necessity. Malachi the prophet speaks of the two comings, and the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple. That is one coming. Again, he says of another coming, look, again, he says of another coming, look, the Lord Almighty will come and who will endure the day of his entry or who will stand in his sight because he comes like a refiner's fire, a fuller's herb, and he will sit refining and cleansing. These two comings are also referred to by Paul in writings to Titus. The grace of God, the Savior, has appeared to all men, instructing us to put aside impiety and worldly desires and live temperately, uprightly, and religiously in this present age, waiting for the joyful hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice how he speaks of a first coming, for which he gives thanks, and a second the one we still await. This is why the faith we profess has been handed on to you in these words. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Our Lord Jesus Christ will therefore come from heaven. He will come at the end of the world in glory at the last day. For there will be an end to this world and the created world will be made new. That reading comes from a catechetical instruction by St. Cyril of Jerusalem, a bishop. Well, what a time of preparation we have. You know, a lot of times this time of the year, we're thinking about making sure we buy all the right gifts that we're prepared for when family comes, uh, that we get all of the garlands and things up. But we're being called by the church into a different kind of preparation, a preparation of heart, 
a preparation for the celebration of the incarnation of Christ, to remember that, yes, Christ came as a babe. He came to save us from our sins. He came to be sin sacrifice for us so that we who are sinful might be the righteousness of God in Christ. He came helpless so he could redeem the whole world spiritually, right? But he is coming again. And we join in this Advent season in a preparation of our hearts that we would be ready spiritually uh, for his coming. As, uh, as the, the old hymn goes, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing, right? Uh, that really is not, uh, we, we sing it at Christmas time, but Joy to the World is really a song about the second coming of Christ and not the first. It's a song uh, about his, him being enthroned as the king of the world and not about him in the manger, right? That's something that we don't necessarily think about. Oh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Uh, let earth receive who? Her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing, right? So as you think about that song, as you hear it in the stores or wherever else you are, uh, remind yourself to prepare room for Christ to be the king of all. Of course, last week we talked about Christ the King Sunday and what that means for us on, uh, on a larger level. So here as we begin Advent, we continue that theme of Christ being king, but of awaiting his kingship. We share that, that common desire to see Christ come with those prophets and sages of the Old Testament. We share that waiting for the dawn, right? We're waiting for the second coming, the second advent of Christ. And so I encourage you, take this season and, and spend time preparing your heart for the Lordship of Christ, for the coming of Christ. We're going to continue this conversation right after the break with Dr. Taylor Marshall, author and founder of the new St. Thomas Institute. You can find out more about him at taylormarshall.com, or you can just stick around through the break and hear that conversation. Well, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. And on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Let me know what you're doing this Advent to prepare for the coming of Christ. We'll see you in just a moment. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. You know what I'm going to say now. You know what I'm going to say. We've got a great show for you today. <laughs> We're talking with Dr. Taylor Marshall. He is a well-respected author, an authority on Thomas Aquinas, and the founder of the new St. Thomas Institute, uh, which is really all online. Do you, you don't have any really in-person classes, huh? Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, yeah, on, on the new St. Thomas Institute, we have over 2,000 students, and they're, yes. they're scattered all over the globe. In every fact, time zone. Uh, we had uh, we had one of your students in probably about a month ago. You can find that on the archives at OutsideTheWalls.com as we listen to the conversion story of uh, a couple of friends of mine from China. And they spent some time 
going through as really part of their preparation of entrance into the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used the symbol on program and they used the, the, the license, the licensure, the certificate mm-hmm. that you have there at the new St. Thomas Institute as well. So, you know, all over the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. We have students in China. I mean, most of our students are in the United States, but they're in the United Kingdom, they're in Europe. But we're finding more and more that in places where there's not theological education, right. Africa and Asia primarily, mm-hmm. people are signing up to take our classes and to study because there there is no other option. And we deliver everything online. Mm-hmm. And by not doing it live, but by doing it pre-recorded, that means you don't have to worry about time zones and right. conflicts that way. So that way our students are able to take their classes whenever they want, mm-hmm. wherever they are. And this is not your first rodeo in the academic world. I mean, you, you've participated in the, uh, in the administration and just in being a professor and in spending a great deal of time yourself as a uh, consumer of the educational world, yeah, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I've been student and grad student and professor and dean and chancellor and I mean, what I'm most excited about is the new evangelization and doing Catholic academia and doing Catholic excellence in a digital way. Yeah. That this is the game changer, I think, for the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. This We're kind of in the situation with the printing press 500 years ago. Right. And we need to be early adopters and we need, need to use these digital platforms to evangelize because... You know, previously it's been difficult to get into Asian countries, right. you know, into remote areas. And now with these resources, anyone that has a connection mm-hmm. can start getting the good news of the gospel. Well, you know, you're participating right now in another one That's of right. those early adopter things because one of our stations, one of the 10 things that we're on is a, a, an app. We've got a live streaming uh, radio station in your pocket, Breadbox Media, mm. breadboxmedia.com. You can download it on your uh, iOS device, Android and we're working on making that a geolocated app. So wherever you are in the world, you can get local content, you can get local uh, local commercials and local, uh, the, the bishops can speak locally. And so, yeah, yeah you know, everything's moving that direction and you just kind of hop on and That's get, right. be an early adopter and ride the wave. And, and the devils are, he's an early adopter. You yeah. know, he's already exporting porn and all sorts of terrible things through the internet. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, even terrorism and all these things are, are employing the internet. So, we shouldn't stand by and let the evil ones right. have a monopoly on it. Right. Right. We should win it back for That's Christ right. the King. A little bit of a, of a consecration, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Well, now I want to talk, uh, we're going to talk about just kind of wherever this conversation goes. I do want to talk about Advent because we're entering into that brand new beginning of the church year again. Uh, Advent's one of my, my favorite seasons of the year. You know, some people say Christmas is their favorite time. We'll get there. We have time. It's not Christmas yet. It's not Christmas yet. It's Advent. We're anticipating. We're we're uh, joining in with the cry of those in the Old Testament. Come, Lord, quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, we'll talk about Advent. I want to talk some about Aquinas because that's really you've got a specialty in, in Aquinas. Your doctorate's in Aquinas. Uh, you have, have a great free ebook that we're going to link to on our social media, Aquinas in 50 Pages, uh, which was really a better um, introduction to Aquinas than I received from uh, from a, a college professor over a, a weekend retreat. So uh, we're going to we're going to talk about that a little later. We've got time, but let's start uh, with Advent. Let's talk about Advent. Well, you know, Advent and Lent mm-hmm. and really 
a lot of the liturgical calendar and our devotional life is built on this principle of delayed gratification mm-hmm. that we have to um, put away pleasures, right? W- restrain ourselves so that not so we can be miserable, but so <laughs> that we can celebrate more fully at the right time. Right. Y- you can just think about the Eucharistic fast. Mm-hmm. We say no to food for a little bit. Right in order to celebrate and to magnify the reception of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with food. Right. Right. We're just, we're just taking something away. We're restraining mm-hmm. a good so we can better celebrate. And this principle is built in really in the Paschal mystery of Christ. He dies for us on a good Friday. There's mm-hmm. suffering. I mean, there's a resurrection on Sunday. So yeah. it's a Friday to Sunday. And this pattern is really seen throughout all of our lives as human beings and as mm-hmm. baptized Christians. And so the church is constantly reminding us of this reality that we enter into a suffering or enter into a penance, but that's not the end of the story. There's always the celebration and the party afterwards, the the glorification, the resurrection. And so we see that with all the major holidays and we see it especially, of course, with Christmas. And it's this idea that we are entering into the longing of the Old Testament people, Israel, Mm -hmm. and we are waiting with hopeful expectation to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. Of course, there's this theological principle of the already and the not yet. So we hear we're, we're not the old Testament people. We have seen the redemption of Christ partially. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet we can still join ourselves to them because while we, we know about the cross, while we have received redemption, we're still awaiting the time when we'll be fully redeemed. That's right. Not only us, but all of creation. Right. Uh, And so there is this sense of, well, I can put aside the the merriment of society. Right. Because society, the the Christmas trees have been up in the stores since uh, (laughs) since Halloween. Yeah. Right. Right. And and so they get to Christmas Day and like the day after Christmas, all the trees come down. Everything comes Mm. down because they're sick of it. Yeah. Right. They've already been partying for a month and a half. Right. Uh, And so but but in a way that. Uh, takes from them rather than gives to them, right? That's right. It's taking our money, taking, you know, it's a consumer kind of a thing mm-hmm. rather than a full participation. Yeah. And so what Advent gives us uh, as as parents, what Advent gives us as as Christians is this ability to uh, to really focus on what's truly important, right? So in my family, we, uh, on the first week of Advent, we go and we put up the the non-perishable garlands, right? Mm-hmm. So we put up all of the, the wreaths and the fake garlands inside mm-hmm. the house. Mm-hmm. Second week of Advent, we buy the tree. Third week of Advent, we decorate the tree, right? And then uh, on December 6th, of course, the feast day of St. Nicholas, we, we do the stockings. And then we don't do any more St. Nick the rest of the time, mm-hmm. right? Then, But we're building this anticipation so that when we get to Christmas, hey, we get to go all the way to the baptism of the Lord, right? Yeah. And so we we listen to Advent music. Yes, there is some out there. <laughs> <laughs> great, great CD, uh, the Daughters of, of Ephesus, uh, Advent at Ephesus. Uh, but then, yeah, that is, I have that CD. It's yeah, good. yeah. And then we get then we get to Christmas, and then we get to actually focus on Christmas, not on rocking around the Christmas tree, but on. Uh, Adoration. Um, adoration and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So. Yeah. I mean, this this is what our society needs. Our children need this. And I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought up your family because 
you know, we, we live in a culture where we're taught that we don't need to delay. Yeah. You know, we're taught as soon as you finish high school or college, you're going to, you know, you're somehow entitled to this big income and this job that you fulfills you perfectly. And right. it's just not true. In order to build a meaningful career, it takes decades often, yeah. you know, to be excellent at something takes cultivation, it takes practice, it takes sacrifice and suffering. And you, we see it with our morality. You know, people don't want to wait for marriage. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's, that is a sacrifice and a suffering with someone you love, but you wait until the right time period. Mm -hmm. And then it's a greater celebration. And what our Lord teaches us is that's the way to true happiness, Mm -hmm. a true contentment and joy. And what we have is everybody's just rushing for bliss, but not actually doing the delayed gratification that's necessary for a good celebration. I think, I think this was Chesterton. I could be wrong, but there's two ways to have enough. One is to keep acquiring more and more and more. And the the other is to desire less. Yeah. And so there's that sense of desiring less for now, being content with what we have, uh, and then fully participating in that season of rejoicing as it comes. Absolutely. So let's take a moment and a little bit of time we've got left in this segment and talk about how did Advent come to be? You know, we, we, Christmas, that's an easy thing, right? Because Christmas is the celebration of Jesus birth. How do we get this, uh, this long period of preparation for Christmas? So the earliest reference that we have goes back to 380 mm-hmm. and, and that's 380, not 300 AD, right? right. 80, 300, 380. Okay. And it's the Synod of Saragossa it's in Spain and it decrees that baptized Christians need to worship and be present in church liturgically from December 17th to the 25th. So it's not a full Advent season, but there's this idea in the primitive church, hey, we need as a people liturgically to prepare for this great feast day of the birth of our Lord. And then later on, there are other councils or the Synod in uh, Caesareus of Arles, 502 to 542. It also publishes some homilies to be preached on Advent. So that gets us into the 6th century. And in that same century in France, we have writings giving testimony to liturgical norms that are to be kept from November 11th to December 24th. So that's actually, if you do the math, it's 40 days. So it seems that what they're doing there in the late 500s is they're taking the 40-day principle that they've already been keeping with Lent. Right. And they're just carrying it now into November, December. So they put a 40-day window there. So that's a liturgical. And it also um, is the reason why Advent is purple, like Lent, right. the, the liturgical color, because purple is a sign of penance, mm-hmm. preparation, et cetera. And, and I think most Catholics have this intuitive understanding that Advent is unto right. Lent. There's it's, a relationship there. preparation. Yep. We also have some homilies by St. Gregory the Great, Pope, mm-hmm. Doctor of the Church. He was Pope until about 604. Yeah. And so he's preaching on Advent. So right there in the early church, you see Advent developing over those first few centuries. Excellent. Well, we want to know what you think. Pop on over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. What are you doing to prepare for Christmas? We'll be right back after this. We're talking with Dr. Taylor Marshall, founder of the new St. Thomas Institute and more. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
back to Outside the Walls. I'm Timothy Putnam, your host. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Did you survive? We're talking today with Dr. Taylor Marshall, author and founder of the new St. Thomas Institute. We're talking about a great number of topics, and this one may be particularly of interest for you. During the break, we were talking about uh, the joy of visiting family over the holidays, right? Um, You know, specifically if you're traveling out of town to see people that you only see at the holidays, there's this this, uh, awkward sense of how, what's the appropriate way to interact with you? It's the holidays, so we're supposed to be merry, but I'm also really nervous that you're going to say something that's going to ruin my holidays. And so there's just this, all this heightened... um, tension that you know we we have this this drive to celebrate well and don't you dare screw it up for me <laughs> and so we were talking about that specifically as uh, an evangelistic opportunity for for catholics now evangelism not in a proselytizing kind of way but evangelism as authentically living and speaking the faith taking every opportunity to uh to, to work faith into it. You know, it's viewing the world through the lens of faith and speaking that way rather than viewing our faith through the lens of the rest of our lives. So let's talk a little bit about what the new St. Thomas Institute can do uh, for that person who may be a little bit nervous to bring up anything, uh, politics or religion or whatever the case is during the, the holiday season. Well, you know, during the holidays, we're coming together for a religious reason. Mm-hmm. We have office parties. Right. We have family get togethers, probably several of them. Like you said, we might be traveling to a different part of the country. You might have travelers, family members coming to stay in your house. Right. Right. And so that opens up all of these new dimensions and all these new questions and uncertainties, even at the office. You know, you're having a Christmas party, but maybe there's Jewish people you work with or atheists or Muslims. And how do you interact with them? Because spirituality, religion, Christianity is going to come up. During this time of year. Right. Right. And so we can, you know, be afraid and we could be timid. And I think for a lot of Catholics, we just lack confidence. Mm -hmm. We kind of have an intuitive understanding of what the right answer is. But when someone just boldly says, well, what's the answer to that? Or why do you do this? Or, you know, do you judge me because of this? We get a little bit afraid. Mm -hmm. We lose our confidence and and just deflect it. And right. instead, we could see it as God calling us to be light to the world mm-hmm. and to be prepared to give a solid answer. And the only way you can gain confidence, like in sports, is to practice. Right. You know, if you're nervous about standing up at the, at the plate with fastballs and a bat in your hand, the best way to become confident is go to a batting cage or have someone pitch to you a whole lot. And so what we want to do, I think, as believers, as Christians, is we want to practice and we want to train. And one of the things that we're doing this season during Advent at the new St. Thomas Institute is we're trying to have our students and our new people, too. And if you and we have enrollment open now. So if you want to join the new St. Thomas Institute, please go to newsaintthomas.com. And what we're going to we're doing right now is we have these modules and they're designed to they're short. They're eight and ten minutes. Okay. They're audio and video, and they're designed to help you answer the objections and questions Mm -hmm. that people will post to you. From all different categories. So yeah. we have a whole set of, of training instruction and audio and video 
for atheist objections. Okay. Like here's almost everything an atheist could throw at you. So you got that sibling. Yes. And and you know, that you know they're just going to grill you. They're going to say, yeah, this. You know, yeah. here's we actually have like 10 objections that common atheist objections that they'll give to Christians and to Catholics. And I'll tell you, for me, I wasn't an atheist when I came into the church, but for me, I had those antagonistic questions for Catholics. Oh, yeah. And uh, my cousin was a, a Catholic priest in the Diocese of Shreveport. Uh, and so I would I would throw those out. Sometimes the genuine curiosity, sometimes a little bit of antagonism. Mm-hmm. And he always had like this two minute to five minute answer that shut me down. I'm like, oh, well, that actually kind of makes sense. Exactly. And that's what we want to give you those two to five minute answers. Not to pick a fight. It's not a fight. I mean, when right. someone challenges you or maybe they're not challenging, they just bring it up. But it is a challenge. Right. They may not recognize it. You can ignore it. Right. Not the best response. You can get angry which is and the, combative, which the is the worst response. response. Yeah. Or you can um, just show defeat and be like, yeah, I guess atheists are really smart and we're not, <laughs> which is not great. Right. Or you can just lean back with confidence, take a deep breath because you already know the objection. You've already thought it through. You've already trained with us. You watched the video. You've read the resource or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can gently mm-hmm. and in a relaxed manner defend the point. You know, let's talk for a moment about Thomas Aquinas. Okay. Uh, because there's this story in your your little 50-page introduction into Thomas Aquinas that I think illustrates that pretty well, where uh, the, the, the other boys at the school he was at said, uh, hey, Thomas, there's a pig outside flying. And he went to the window and they laughed at him because, ah, ha, ha, you're so stupid. You thought a pig was flying. And his answer. His answer was, I'd rather believe that a pig could fly than that my brothers would lie to me. <laughs> right. And so, that, you know, it's yeah. he's not picking a fight. He's right. not he's he's just using a, a very short, logical yeah. quip being very, uh, very charitable. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's, he, he's saying, hey, I thought very highly of you that you right. would always tell the truth. Right. He's being very charitable yeah. and he's being very even keeled. He's mm-hmm. not allowing uh, the, 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 the goads yeah. to, to drive his emotions. Right. He's he's allowing the logic to just come and provide an answer. That's right. And uh, I think that that's something that's so easily missed in this season where we're trying to make everything. That's right. Perfect. And, and there's, there's so many um, different perspectives coming at us, you know, here in America or in the West, especially, you know, we have Muslim objections, which we need to know and, and have an answer for right. Jewish objections. Cause we all have Jewish friends, right. Mm-hmm. And Hanukkah, and, and and sometimes we as Catholics don't understand how we're supposed to understand Judaism. Right. So we put together a whole lesson and module on that as well. Um, Protestantism, mm-hmm. right? And then you know, there's also the more unusual um, groups or cults like Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Or Mormons. How when they knock on your door, you know, and you open it and like, hey, we're from the Mormons. Do you know, do you know what they're going to say to you, and do right. you have the right answers back? Most right. of us don't. Yeah. But we can give you those answers in about 10 minutes. I mean, we mm-hmm. can give you the resources so that you're prepared when any of these things happen year round. But I think especially during Christmas time, yeah. you're prepared to give a gentle, solid, mm-hmm. truthful answer that hopefully will help the other person. So maybe that's something that you can do this Advent season to help prepare you for Christmas now, it shouldn't be the only thing because you need to be preparing yourself for the, the presence and the advent, the coming of Christ. But you also need to realize that we are the body of Christ. 
And so you may be the only Jesus that the people in your circle of mm-hmm. influence ever see. That's right. And are you prepared to answer, you know, in, we see this in, in the, the book uh, of First Timothy, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's within you. That's First Peter 3.15. No, no, it's not Timothy. It's not Paul. It's Peter. Uh, I you thought know, you were saying Timothy because your name's Timothy. No, no, no. I was, I was, uh, I was off on. I was the. Be, I was confusing. Be prepared in season and out of season. Yeah, which is and which is which is uh, Paul, and uh, but First Peter three fifteen. Yeah. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Yeah. But be ready to do so with gentleness and respect. Now I'm going yeah. to take you a different direction here because what how I read that and I and I want to emphasize yeah. there, gentleness and respect. Oh, huge. Some translations say gentleness, gentleness and compassion. Right. You know, we're, we're not here to punch people in the face with doctrine right. that never wins a convert, right? So there has to be the truth, gentleness, and compassion. So there's a rhetorical skill and a theological skill. Yeah. Well, what I think about that when I hear always be ready to give an answer for the hope, right, is that we're living in such a way and with such confidence that we're creating questions, right? Because they're asking a question and we're giving an answer. Mm-hmm. Always be ready to give an answer for the, the hope, right? So um, St. Thomas, New St. Thomas uh, Institute is a great way to do that. You've got a number of podcasts as well available over at taylormarshall.com. And one of the things that I really appreciate about all that you've done is, is your focus on bringing Aquinas to the masses today. Uh, because you, so often everyone's chasing after this personality or that new method or this new book. And I feel that it's very important that we go back to the sources. We've been given doctors of the church. We've been given doctors of the church. We've been given fathers of the church. We have all of this richness in our faith at our disposal. And yes, sometimes we need teachers to help us appropriate that. I think you've done a a fabulous job uh, with with the the introduction to Aquinas and and, and your podcasts and much more. Uh, But What's important is nothing's new under the sun. No. Right? We're not creating anything mm-hmm. new, even though we have maybe some new circumstances that haven't always been around. Internet, iPhones. Right. Right. The, the teaching, the truth yeah. is still there. Yeah. And, you know, Thomas Aquinas, there might be people listening, they never even heard of Thomas Aquinas before. And like, who, why are y'all talking about Thomas Aquinas? Thomas Aquinas was a theologian. He was a yeah. priest. He was a philosopher. He lived in the 1200s. Mm-hmm. And he is seen in the Catholic tradition as the mental giant, like the all-time Heisman of Catholic theology, because he wrote on science, he wrote on philosophy, he wrote on theology, he wrote on uh, practical devotion and spirituality and mysticism, and right. he was he was everywhere. And he's largely the reason that we have uh, this logical method this uh, a this, system right the, the the whole aristotelian system that he co-opted and brought in from greek philosophy exactly well we have one more segment we're going to continue this conversation with dr taylor marshall author and founder of the new saint thomas institute right here on outside the walls join us over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handles at Outside the Walls. Much more to come. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Now, if you missed any part of this interview with Dr. Taylor Marshall, uh, we've got it all archived. Everything's going to be up at OutsideTheWalls.com. All 53, 54 episodes of the show, they're all up there. So if you've missed anything or you think that there's someone else that you know that would want to hear what he's got to say, well, send them on over to OutsideTheWalls.com. But also, don't forget to send them over to TaylorMarshall.com. Lots of good stuff there. Great podcast. Uh, lots of great information. And, you know, I'm just personally fond of it because of your uh, reviews of best Christmas gifts to get a guy, right? The, my wife got yep. me a decanter. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, so I, You'd be surprised um, how many wives come to me <laughs> and thank me. And then sometimes men say, hey, thanks. I got what I wanted for Christmas because I do a post every year for those that right. don't know. Usually it's the top 10 manly gifts to give your husband, father, grandfather, or son. Yeah. And it's stuff that guys like, but that we don't usually ask for Yeah, because we're busy or not thinking, you know, we don't want a necktie or a new shirt, but it's like, you know, a really cool old school thermos right? or a really cool pocket knife with the special handle or and my wife, a decanter. My wife got me a decanter yep. and she had it engraved. I don't know. It's not engraved because it's glass, but she had, had written on it, uh, the Hilaire Bullock Statement. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Wherever the Catholic does, Great sun idea. doth shine. There's always laughter and good red wine. At least I've always heard it so. Benedica Mus Domino. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's I that's right it. there on the on the front of it. Yeah. So yeah, all good. All yeah, so good. if you're listening, you want to see the list this year, the, the, the new list, go to taylormarshall.com and just search for top 10 manly Christmas gifts. Listen, there's more than one way to prepare ourselves for Christmas. There you go. Right? There you go. <laughs> So we're talking with Dr. Taylor Marshall, author and founder of the New St. Thomas Institute, popular blogger, uh, podcaster, general all-around Renaissance man. Uh, Your convert came in from the Anglican Church. You were actually an Anglican priest. That's right. Uh, I've known a couple of Anglican priests. And, of course, you know, Father Dwight Longenecker is uh, a blogger. He wrote about your New St. Thomas Institute recently on his Pathios blog. He's a former Anglican priest. Uh, what made you decide to become a Catholic layperson rather than entering the same way that Father Dwight Longenecker did into the the clergy in the Catholic Church? Well, when I came into the Catholic Church, I was blessed to work at the Office of the Pastoral Provision. And the Pastoral Provision is something that St. John Paul II set up mm-hmm. for Anglican or Episcopalian priests who are usually married. Right. Uh, when they come into the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church does not recognize their ordination. Right. It recognizes that invalid. So they would have to be ordained again. And then there's also this impediment. They're married and have kids. So John Paul II saw all of these Episcopalian priests becoming Catholic and wanting to serve in a ministerial way. And there's a shortage of priests, as we know. So he created a way for these Episcopalian priests to come into the church and to do some seminary training and then to be ordained in the Catholic church, even though they're married, in a special Dispensation. He calls it the pastoral provision. It's a provision that's a pastoral one. Right. And so when I came in the church, I actually worked for that office and I actually um, put together Father Longenecker's brief that went off to Rome and okay. came back. And I was in the process as well when I came in the church. I was on track to become a married Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. But as I, the longer I was Catholic and as I was going through the process and praying, my wife and I just discerned, you know, we're, we're both young. Mm-hmm. And we, at that time, we had four children. Now we have eight children. We're young. 
I always look. I always look for someone to catch up to. Yeah, <laughs> my sixth is on the way. Okay, congratulations. Thank you. So we're young and we're fertile, right? And um, and as we prayed about it and met with priests, we just discerned that you know it wasn't the right vocation. Maybe one day it is. You know, maybe mm-hmm. one day after the children are grown and right, and I actually have some <laughs> a little bit of more free time in my life. Yeah, between running and going all over the country and going all over the place, uh, it could be a possibility. But I think the vocation of being a biological father and a husband right now is, yeah. is enough. And, and God's been very generous to me, you know, a huge platform online and right. with the blog and the podcast and the new St. Thomas Institute. Um, so I, he's opened up many doors and I'm just feel very blessed. Great. Well, let's give something away to those let's who are it. listening. Uh, hopefully we'll get some of the people from your blog listening. Cause uh, we don't always have a lot of competition here, mm-hmm. but listen, his podcasts have been listened to over 200,000 times. So this week you got to be quick, right? Cause we could be giving this away fast. Uh, we're going to be giving away a, a hard copy of your digital book, yep. uh, Aquinas in 50 pages. Yeah. So I wrote this book, Thomas Aquinas, 50 pages. He's the great mind. He's incredible. People are intimidated. Like, I I don't study philosophy. I don't know theology. How could I ever hang with this guy? Right. So after teaching him through the years, I said, you know, there needs to be a quick book, like 50 pages, that just gives you like the cliff notes outline of Thomas Aquinas in a simple layman's language. But it didn't exist. It didn't exist. So I wrote it and I give it away for free because I'm trying to help people right. study theology. So we give it away free. So if you want a free ebook version, go to taylormarshall.com in the right corner. You'll see it. Go ahead and just download it and you'll have the ebook. But if you want a physical volume, like a paperback, we're going to give one away, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to give one away. So give us a question, a really tricky question that my folks have to Google Mm -hmm. uh, to find the answer. I don't want them to know the answer off the top of their head. I want them interacting with something that they didn't already know. Because my mom said, look it up. Yeah, there we go. So Thomas Aquinas was called the dumb ox. He was a very big guy. People say he was fat. All right. He had a huge mind and he had a huge body and he was a quiet guy as well because he's always thinking right and so he was given the nickname the dumb ox because he was quiet and he was big like an ox so the trivia question is a saint gave this saint thomas aquinas this name dumb ox which saint called thomas aquinas the dumb ox who gave him that nickname so you got to find out which saint gave this other saint this nickname so what you're going to do is you're going to go on facebook or on Twitter, you're going to tag me on Facebook. It's at, at Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, it's at Outside the Walls. You're going to give it the hashtag, The Dumb Ox, right? And then, then you're going to tell me in that tweet, in that status, what's the name of the saint who gave St. Thomas Aquinas the name The Dumb Ox. So hashtag The Dumb Ox, give me the name of the saint, and we'll get that book right out to you, free of charge through the mail, right? The actual mail, the paper mail. I know that doesn't exist very much. Uh, but I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that you have coming up a great Advent, a great preparation season. Take some time. Make sure that you go to confession. Make sure you go to adoration during this penitential season preparing for Christmas. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio. Heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.